Good morning, good morning. I want to thank our sponsors. First of all, the sponsors for the Amuna series for the year. Avi and Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, Lazech Nishmas, Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbard, Baruch Tzvi Ben Ruvay Nasson, whose neshama continues to inspire us each and every day. Also want to thank today's particular sponsors, Rhonda Shuval in loving memory of her mother, Irene Schaefer. And Rhonda's actually not here this morning. She's an amazing woman and she is helping a friend who is sick. And we wish a refuah shlema to Miriam Bas Ashira. Today's ministry is also sponsored by Rosanna Das Summers, Leah Nishmas, their niece, Nofar Bas Urit, on her sixth year at site. Her neshama should have an aliyah. Amen. Okay, we are still in Revolbus Tzadik Be'emunas Yechia. Tzvi, Tzadik Be'emunas Yechia. A righteous person finds life through Amuna. If we have Amuna, we're alive. And if we're living without Amuna, if we think that we're in charge, we're in control, then we forfeit and concede our own life. Because our life, instead of being filled with tranquility, peace, and calm, no matter what's happening in it, is filled with anger and envy and arrogance. So tzadik be'emunaso yechia, tzvi. So we've been going through Rav Chaim Vital, the four elements within a human being, which are wind, water, earth, and fire. We talked about the fact that when we have a bad habit, a bad quality, it's a symptom that's a rash in one part of the body. You could eat, keep putting cream on the rash, or you can go to the source of the rash, the virus, and only if you heal the virus will the rash ultimately go away. Otherwise, you get rid of the rash on the arm, it comes on the other arm, and so on. So therefore, the bad uh, qualities that we exhibit really are reflective of a virus, of a corruption within the system, and we need to heal one of these four elements which are out of whack. So fire, when our sense of fire, the fire in our belly, our enthusiasm, our fire, when it's misdirected or misguided, it comes out as arrogance and anger. When the wind within us, wind is that power of speech we produce with the wind, with the voice box. So then Lashon Hara and gossip and so on. So we've been up to offer that sense of earth within us. The earthliness within us, when it is out of whack, when it is imbalanced, then it expresses itself, we began this last time, in the form of sadness and despair and despondency and therefore procrastination and laziness. If a person's sense of earth whatever that means, wherever the earth is within us, then we wake up feeling lethargic and tired and dragging. We feel dark and sad and giving up hope. But of course, that's not the life of a Jew. We spoke about Rav Nachman. Yeish is shalomidas. If you've given up, it's because you're not thinking. If you're thinking clearly, you know that there's always hope. And there's always a possibility. And whatever you're going through is for a reason. Hashem is all-powerful and all-capable. So let's start again from the second paragraph, page Peydalad. Everyone see where we are? There's another reason that people give up. The reason that people are despondent and they become hopeless. We like to think of ourselves as righteous. You know, we are amazing, amazing, amazing at giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt even when we can't give it to others. There's an actual phenomenon. There's a psychological phenomenon about this. I forgot what it's called. I spoke about it once in a drusha, where, you know, if you leave your phone on in davening, it's because an emergency might come in. But someone else, what kind of nudnik and fool and Eisvarf leaves their phone on? When you come late, it's because there was a reason, an excuse, and it's understandable. It's not only understandable and excusable, it was righteous that you came late because you were doing something uh, entirely righteous. Someone else comes late, and they're a reject and a loser, and they can't come on time, and they can't get their life together. There's a phenomenon. I forgot what the psychological phenomenon's called. But in our own thinking, we know. We can be down the kafschos ourselves. 
ourselves, we'll always rationalize our behavior. We'll always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We'll always be down the kafschus for us. But when it comes to others, we actually jump to the opposite. Instead of giving the person the benefit of the doubt, we actually immediately jump to the opposite within them. Opposite within them. So what he says here is that sometimes the person thinks of themselves as a tzaddik. You know, we like to think of ourselves, nobody wants to walk around thinking, I'm a terrible person, I do terrible things, I'm totally incapable. So we think we're righteous. And then what happens? We do something unrighteous. So then we say, So our arrogance makes us not want to admit that we've made a mistake. The arrogance blocks us. This is one of the greatest challenges to marriage, is when a couple, when a, each side digs in and doubles down. And even when they know they're wrong, it's true in friendship, it's true in parenting, it's true in, in uh, work. But arrogance gets in the way of saying, you know what, you have a point. I didn't need to say it like that. I shouldn't have done that. Or you know what, your way of looking at it, you're right, I can see that, I'm sorry. But we double down because we don't want to admit we're ever wrong. What would it say about me if I'm ever wrong? What would it say about me if I'm ever imperfect? What would it say about me if I can't do everything exactly right? When a person's faith is strong, if you live with a sense of faith, if everywhere you are, Hashem is with you, if you see Hashem in everything that you do and everything that happens and everything that occurs, so it's never about you. It's not about you. The world doesn't revolve around you and whether you are perfect or imperfect, fallible or infallible. The world's not about you being in control. The world's not about you taking credit. The world's not about you and your ego. If everywhere you go and everything you do and everything that happens to you, instead it's all about Hashem, so you'll never give up hope and you'll never despair. The reason you despair is because you're so self-absorbed evaluating, is it about me and do I deserve it and can I and will I come through and am I good enough and I'm too good and I'm so great and everything I do is great. So some people fail loving themselves too much and other people fail, they love themselves way too little. Svasem has famously said, You have to love your neighbor as yourself. It means that the prerequisite to loving your neighbor is you first have to love yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't know how to love yourself. So some people are very machmir on that mitzvah. Some people, they indulge themselves, they love themselves, they spoil themselves. They're very, very good. At, they have to love themselves a little bit less. And other people have to love themselves a little bit more. People who feel invisible and inconsequential and unworthy and they don't matter. People who feel incapable. They can't ever do it. They will never achieve. They'll never, they have no aspiration because of it. Have to love themselves a little bit more. Rav Tzadok Cohen writes, we have a mitzvah of believing in Hashem, but he says we also have a mitzvah of believing in ourselves. Because if there's a Tzalem Elohim, if there's a piece of God in every one of us, then why should we believe in ourselves? Why should I believe in me? The answer is, if I don't believe in me, then I'm not believing in God because I am an expression of God. So to, to, to not believe in myself, I can conquer that temptation. I can conquer that behavior. I can conquer that past episode. I can conquer that anxiety of the unknown. I can conquer that envy or that arrogance. I can do it. And if I don't believe I can, then I don't believe that I'm a piece of God. So denying my own self is denying godliness. So if I live with Amuna, I don't have yeish, I don't have despair, I don't have despondency. I never give up hope. Despair and sadness. It's so sad, says Ravoba, when you meet people, they've just given up. They've given up. They've just given up. So I'm meant to be poor. I'm meant to be unhappy. I'm meant to be alone. I'm meant to be childless. I'm meant to be... And I don't mean to say that anything that you want to be, you can be. 
That's just simply foolish. I think I told you last. I'm not going to dunk a basketball. It's not going to happen. Not that that's the most important thing in the world, but I'm finally accepting it. That I'm not going to dunk a basketball. Baruch Hashem. So it's not that whatever we want to do, you can do, but it means that you have to believe in yourself. A person is a balamuna, a person who has great faith, doesn't get lost by anything that happens to them. So this was a failure. So I flopped. So I told you Ben Franklin, it wasn't that he failed 2,000 times before he discovered the light bulb. He, he succeeded once. It just had 2,000 steps. So it's all a question of how you look at your failures. Are our failures and our flops because we are incompetent and incapable? Or are they just steps on a journey towards success? But if we have faith in Hashem, then we know that the end is the journey towards success. You know that Hashem will always be there to comfort you. And Hashem will lift you from that fall. When you need it the most to dip into that well, that reservoir, to be able to withdraw from that bank account of Amuna, it's only there to withdraw if you spent your life making deposits. But if now that you need to make a big withdrawal, a big withdrawal, you know, as a, as, a, as a rabbi, I'm often involved or I'm there immediately after someone gets some very bad news, Khalid, the loss of a loved one or themselves a diagnosis. And um, a person right then needs desperately support. They need to have encouragement. They need to have faith. They need to have something to latch onto and lift them. So if you worked out the Amuna muscle your whole life, now your muscles are strong to be able to withstand what you need. But if you didn't ever work it out and you're going to be winded by the thing that hits you in the face, then you're going to fall over. So you say, what do I need Amuna for? Why do I have to go to the Amuna Shia? Why do I have to work on my Amuna? Why do I have to read and think about these things? My life is good. I'm healthy. I have a good parnasa. I have a nice family. Life is good. The Amuna, that's for the Nebuchs. The Amuna, that's for the people who Nebuch are struggling and suffering and confronting challenges. Me? I don't have to go to the Amuna Shia. Life is good. Problem is, we don't ever know when we're going to become the next Nebuch. We don't know when we're going to, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, encounter something. So we need to work on strengthening our core so that, God forbid, that time comes and we're ready to go. And maybe I told the story in here, not for several years, of um, we used to have a happy minion on Friday night. We still have it. We used to be every Friday night. We used to call it the Karbach minion, the happy minion. And uh, we used to have it every Friday night. So there was a member of our shul who had a big uh, heart attack. When I went to visit him in the, in the hospital, he said to me, do you know that the Karbach minion saved my life? I said, that's amazing, you know, you were giving up faith, but the singing and the dancing and the clapping and the bouncing off the walls and the happiness and the joy, it saved your life when you were ready to give up. He goes, no, 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 no. It literally saved my life. I said, what are you talking about? He said, every Friday night, I got together and the Kabbalah Shabbos was amazing. We sang and we danced and we jumped and we bounced and we, and I was out of shape. And I'd come home wounded and everyone else was bopping and bouncing and having the best time and I couldn't keep up. And I felt so bad because I wanted to tap into that energy of that beautiful davening. So... I started to work out and I lost a few pounds so that I could be part of the Kaabach minion. And the doctor said that if I had not lost those few pounds and gotten in a little better shape, this heart attack would have killed me. It was the fact that I got in a little better shape that made me ready for this heart attack. So that minion saved my life. What an amazing story, right? An amazing way of looking at things. So the point is that Amuna will save our life. It's almost not a question of if, it's a question of when. We will all encounter something. I've yet to meet someone who's figured out how to live forever. 
or have the people around them live forever. So it's a question of when, but we will all encounter and confront mortality and challenge. Will our amuna muscles be strong? Will we be ready? Can we dip into that reservoir? Will the bank account be so robust we can make a withdrawal without going into the red? We have to know that everything's from Hashem. It is all from Hashem. Okay, this is what we're up to. We have to put our trust in Hashem in every difficult moment and in every dark place and to know in truth that Hashem is the one who comes and that our salvation can come it can come in the blink of an eye. We should always maintain hope. Yeish is shalomidas. Despair, giving up hope, that's not a Jewish value, a Jewish trait. My friends, where would our people be if we gave up hope? Every time we were expelled, every time they tried to exterminate us, every time we were forced into exile, every time we were denied or deprived, at the end of every pogrom, if we ever paused and looked at the situation and became hopeless, we would never be here today. We are only here, a nation of survivors, because... Yeshuaso Karafain because of Hatikva. Yekava Yeshuaso. Revolve, Yekava. Hope because of hope. Because we never ever give up hope. We recognize that Baruch is in our life and everything is for a reason and that He's going to maybe in our lifetime show it to us. Maybe it'll take much longer than our lifetime to see it. But everything is for a reason. In every di- dark place, in every difficult place. This week's Pasha Vayifka Bamakom. Yaakov is running away from his brother. And if you look at it, we get the benefit of knowing the end of the story. Who was telling me, Rabbi Blumenthal recently was, he told me he studied with, uh, when he used to do NCSY when he lived up north, he studied with a public school kid and he learned the Akedah story with him and the kid didn't know how it ended. And you learn the story of the Akedah with someone who doesn't know how it ends, that's a whole other way of learning the Akedah story. Doesn't know how it ends, didn't see the end of the movie. So we have the benefit, we read Torah every year and since we're little kids we heard the stories most of us. So we know that we have the benefit of knowing how it ends. But look at it through Yaakov's eyes. He has no idea how this is going to end. All he knows, he's the, he's the favorite son of his mother who has the benefit and the pleasure of living in the tent and growing in Ishtam Yoshev Oalem, learning Torah, impurity. And the next thing you know, his mother makes him dress up and he's a fraud and he's pretending to be something he's not and he's stealing from his brother. Now his brother literally wants to kill him. And he's running on the road, on the way with his brother in pursuit. And his whole life is turned upside down. What happened to Sfarim? And what happened to his base medrash? And what happened to his chavrusas? And what happened to his mother's love and affection and protection? And now, how does this guy, how does he know how to operate in the world to be able to sustain himself and maintain his life? And maybe his brother's going to catch up, and maybe his brother's going to kill him. And what does he institute for us? He introduces Tfilas, Marav. Marav. His grandfather gave us Shachras, because his grandfather was all about the beginning of the day. Boker the light, when there's clarity, when there's hope, when there's optimism, when there's a bright new day. And Yitzchak gave us Mincha. And mincha means a gift. Mepharshim explained. You know, the Gemara says Mincha is the most treasured of all three of the tefillos. Kashachras, you could time the beginning of your day and you're filled with hope and optimism. And Marav is at the end of the day when you've retired for the day. But Mincha is smack inconvenient. Just ask my wife, always inconvenient in the middle of the day. I say, how could it always be inconvenient? Sometimes it's 5 o'clock and sometimes it's 8 o'clock. How could it always be equally inconvenient? So she says it is. And then she discovered the, the antidote. The woman's answer to Mincha is nursing. You've got to put the kids to bed. I have to nurse. <laughs> you know what she says, Yechavet? She says, it's no wonder that Yaakov introduced Marv. 
12 kids to give bath to and to put to bed. Yaakov said, sorry, I got to go to Marav. Anyway, so Yaakov introduces Marav. Why? Yaakov introduces Marav because Marav represents the night and Yaakov's life is defined by the darkness of night. The uncertainty, the doubt, the danger of night. The cloak of night. That's Yaakov. We say, Lahagid baboker chazdecha ve'emunascha balelos. Tov lahodos Hashem. Hashem, it's so good to praise you and to thank you and to see you in our lives. How do we do it? Baboker lahagid baboker chazdecha. In the morning, I could talk about your chesed. I woke up and what a beautiful day. What a day, day it's going to be. And I could talk all about the chesed of a great new day. But at night, ve'emunascha balelos. To talk about you at night means I have to tap into emuna. Because as soon as I get to the cloak of the darkness of night, I start remembering all the problems and the challenges and the uncertainty. I remember all the pain and I remember everything. The Amunascha Yaakov introduces us. So Be'ist Tzara and Cheshka, in a time of challenge and darkness, we have to dip into that reservoir. Because when a person gets close to challenging times and fears from their own sins, so you can't reconcile fear and hope. If we're humble and not arrogant, and if we don't beat ourselves up too much about our mistakes of the past, and if we always hope, hold out hope about the future, yesterday in the Parsha class we talked about not holding on to the past but living for the future. The Imre Chaim, the vision of the Rebbe, is Vayetza Yaakov. Yaakov left Beersheva, Beersheva's Gematria Yetzahara. He left a world of thinking about how bad I've been in the past. And he hung out with him. He found God, and that's where he decided to dwell. He didn't dwell in the past. He set up camp to dwell in the future. You could be a person who's stuck in the past. You could live your life where you beat yourself up about the past. Or you could be defined by your yet unwritten future. That your best is yet to come. That the next chapter is going to be your best chapter yet. That no matter what you've been through, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what's been in your past, the best is going, the future is going to be your, your very best. So chaste Hashem yatrim, if you focus on the chesed of Hashem, it will lift you, and you'll be able to confront absolutely anything. So maybe you look at people with hope, and you say, what a fool, such naivete, such a fool, a sophisticated person who understands the ways of the world would never be so naive to have such hope. You have to ask yourself, who's the sophisticated and who's the naive fool? Really? Really? If you have hope, if you have a moon in Hashem, then you always live with hope. Shehu kol yachol, because he's all capable. And there's nothing that stands in his way. So I want to tell you, after we finished learning last week, I, went on the, I was on my computer, and I came across the following story. I think it was Mamash right after last week's Amunashir, and I set it aside to share with you this morning, because it so relates to what we just said. And I want to tell you, it's a beautiful illustration, but I disagree with one nekuda, with one aspect of it. Amen. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott is 62 years old. In 1984, he was left paralyzed from the waist down after a freak accident. He was going for a jog in Houston, and a tree fell on him and paralyzed him from the waist down, and he's been paralyzed living in a wheelchair ever since. So last week... He tweeted a video he had come across of a young man in a wheelchair who was climbing an indoor wall. You ever see indoor climbing places? So in his wheelchair, he's climbing the indoor wall with his arms. And he reposted that video, the governor, 
And he wrote, quote, never quit, never give up, overcome any challenge. So, you know, if you're a public personality, the truth is, if you're any personality and you're online, there's always going to be trolls and haters who you try to say a nice thing, you put up a nice video, they're going to find a reason. It's always a reflection of their own unhappiness, despair, negativity. Never, ever absorb it. The haters and the trolls and the losers never, ever, ever absorb it. In fact, what you have to try to do is not read the comments. Ever. Rabbi Brody was giving me that chizik on Shabbos. I post things on a lot of different platforms and forums, and I can't help it. It's a big taiva to read the comments. You want to see what people are saying. But inevitably, invariably, there's always the haters in the comments. They found that you missed a comma, and you did the comma. So the whole piece you wrote, what's the point of the piece on gratitude? Because you had no comma. Or whatever they decide they're going to pick on or disagree about, or they don't like fun. So he too, he posts this inspirational video, and a person replies, quote, so great to see, but if I ever end up in a wheelchair, I'm just ending it. So listen to what the governor wrote back. He's a sitting governor, 62 years old. He's been paralyzed since 1984. He writes back, quote, that's what I thought before I ended up in a wheelchair, but I've done more after the accident that left me paralyzed than before that accident. With God, all things are possible. Oh Isn't that amazing? I read that tweet. Wow. I've done more after the accident than I did before. With God, all things are possible. So it's not over yet. Because you think the haters and the trolls disappeared? You think they felt defeated? They doubled down. So someone wrote back, God put you in the wheelchair, Greg. With God, all things are possible, and you've done more after? Who do you think put you in the wheelchair? God put you in the wheelchair. So listen to what the governor, Greg Abbott, wrote back. God didn't cause the accident that left me paralyzed, but he did help me persevere over that enormous challenge. I'm a testament that the glory of God is revealed by a young man's back being broken in half, and still rising up to be the governor of Texas. With God, all is possible. So I, don't worry, I kept going, but I, I, loved, I loved his tweets. I was very, very nispal. I was very inspired and moved by his tweets. I disagree with his statement, God didn't cause the accident that left me paralyzed. Uh, theologically, I understand it's very challenging. I, don't worry, I didn't tweet him back my thoughts. But I understand it's, it's theologically very, very, very challenging. In fancy uh, philosophy language, it's called theodicy. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does evil happen in this world? So if a tree limb fell and it left you paralyzed, was that gravity? Was that nature? Was that God? Was that the wind? Was that you, that you ran under a dilapidated tree? Was it your free will? You took a risk running under that tree? Was it nature? Was it gravity? Was it God? All the above? None of the above? This is beyond my pay grade. This is a very, very, very difficult question. Bad, <laughs> bad things happen to good people. It seems the better your person you are, the worse things are happening to you these days. Very painful. I don't have to tell many of you in this room who've encountered and endured and persevered over it yourselves. Um, we give a Shabbat Shuvah Drasha once where we try to examine these issues of free will and determinism and nature versus God. And it's not clear cut. What I'll tell you is this. This is the Amunashir, but I'm not going to get into it right now. What I will tell you is this. Anyone who simplifies it doesn't know what they're talking about. So if you want to say, it's all God, you don't know what you're talking about. If you want to say, none of it's God, you don't know what you're talking about. When you start to learn Rabbeinu Bachya and you start to learn the Rambam and you start to learn the Rishonim, our real Masorah on these issues, you realize... It's really complicated and complex. It's very, very nuanced. I spoke about this past Shabbos. I'm writing it as my article this week. We're living in a time of superficial and binary. This or that. Everything is simple. But the world is not simple. It's complex and it's nuanced and it's complicated and it's difficult. 
And the same is true with this, because the Rambam, for example, says, Hashgacha pratis you receive is directly proportional to the amuna you live with. So that means to say for the Rambam, this is not a commentary on the governor right now, but it means to say that at least for the Rambam's point of view, for the Rambam's point of view, if you live a life without God, if you say to God, thanks God, I'm good without you, then God says, oh, you've got it? You're good without me? You don't need me? No problem. I'll direct my attention elsewhere. And now you are exposed to the elements. So whereas if you lived with a faith and a trust and a determination in Hashem and you're jogging in the park and a tree is about to fall over, maybe Hashem will intervene on your behalf because you've invited him in your life. You've invited him. You're, you're practicing dveikas. You're clinging to him. So he's on the jog with you. And he sees the tree starting to fall and he pushes you out of the way. Or he holds up the tree for one more second. But the Ramam says that if you've told God, I don't need you on the jog. I'm good. You stay back. I'm good. I'm going jogging on my own. I don't need you. If you live life without God and the tree, it's ready to fall because the nature and gravity and the age of the tree and the brittleness of the branch predetermined that 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 was the moment the tree was supposed to fall, then it's going to fall on you. And that's not God. That's because you chose to live without God and now you became exposed to the elements. So if your head is spinning right now, mine is too, I'm just telling you it's complicated. The Ramah talks about Hashkacha Klalas, general providence versus hashkacha pratis, specific providence. And it's not so pashit. Oh, you can follow. Look at the time. It's not so pashit. It's not so simple at all. Rab Nachman's, Rab Nachman's opinion is it's very simple. Everything's from Hashem. Absolutely everything. It has nothing to do with you. In fact, the, 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 the Kabbalists were so disturbed with the Rambam's point of view about these issues, they said that the Rambam was reincarnated as a worm. Because the Rambam said that animal world only has hashkacha klalas, and only the human world has hashkacha pratis. That the animal kingdom has general universal providence, and only the humankind has specific individualized providence. So the reaction to the Rambam saying that was that the Rambam, some great Hasidic masters literally wrote, that the Rambam was reincarnated as an animal to have to realize how wrong, how wrong he was. It's complicated. It's very, very complicated. So I disagree with Greg Abbott's assertion God didn't cause the accident. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I'm not ready to say he didn't. I, I like to live my life believing that everything is from Hashem. But it's the, it's the Seifa of the, of the Brisa. It's the second half of the tweet, Seifa of the tweet that I like. He did help me persevere over that enormous challenge. I'm a testament that the glory of God is revealed by a young man's back being broken in half and still rising up to be the governor of Texas. With God, all is possible. Right, what he's saying is, I found a way to persevere, not by saying, I'm paralyzed, there's no God, woe is me, but what helped me find that way to persevere and endure and to aspire and to climb and to achieve my dreams is because I never let go of God, that with God all is possible. So all the work that we have to do is not when the crisis comes, but it's the preparation before the crisis. It's stocking up with Amuna before the crisis. So we have what to dip into. Let's just do one more paragraph. So Rabbeinu Yonah says, you know what's the great motivator that makes you jump out of bed in the morning? Moda'ani. Moda'ani. I'm grateful to you, am I, God, that you woke me up, that you restored my life. And, you know, you wiggle your fingers and you wiggle your toes, you wiggle your nose, and you open your eyes. You say, it's all working. It's all still working. It's unbelievable. Moda'ani. It's all still working another day. You've renewed my contract. Rabbi Amun Secha, your faith in me is great that you've brought me back. Who am I to be lazy and procrastinate? 
If someone you admire, someone of greatness taps you with a mission, with a charge, with a mandate. I don't know who that person is that you admire. There's a great rabbinic personality. There's a great tzaddikis. There's a great, uh, the person who was your mentor in your professional life. There's a great family member. Your zayda calls you, your bubby calls you, and they say, I need you to do this for me. Would you be like, yeah, I'll get to it. Uh, when I'm, d- I'm done on the couch. Uh, the person who you admire, that person who is great, asks you to do something. You jump up and you're excited and you go do it because you want to fulfill that responsibility. So Moda'ani is a great person tapping you and saying, I need you to do something for me. I need you to leave, lead your best life yet. I need you to do something for me. You have a mission that no one else in the world can do. And if you sleep in and snooze again, if you lie on the couch and if you're lazy and if you procrastinate and you push it off, then no one else on the planet Earth can do what I need you to do. So Moda'ani says Rabbeinu Yonah is us waking up with a sense that Hashem is asking us to do something. He's tapping us and saying, I need you to come through. Who can lie in bed? Who can be lazy and procrastinate when you get that phone call? When you're living with a, a living, breathing, dynamic, animated amuna, it's going to bring you to have an awe of Hashem and to love Him. So if you live with amuna and you feel Hashem is everywhere, then what you feel is Hashem has a unique life for me to live. He's got a mission. There are things for me to do. Who's going to be lazy and who's going to procrastinate and who's going to delay if there's so much for us to do? So the antidote to laziness and the antidote to despair and hopelessness is to increase and to work out that amunah muscle, is to be learning what we're learning and to be davening and to be talking to Hashem and to be developing that relationship and to be investing in that relationship. And when we do, the byproduct, the, I would say, intended consequence, it's not an unintended consequence, is that we feel it so much more in all these other areas of our life. Now, Governor Abbott is still paralyzed, even though he loves God and he endured. Believing in God and God lifting us up doesn't take away the heart. It doesn't bring back the people that we've lost. And it doesn't take away the pain, sometimes chronic physical pain people are going through. And it doesn't heal the emotional pain that can never, ever be healed. Believing in Hashem doesn't create an endurance that can replace what was gone. But it gives us the capacity to, despite it, persevere and continue on the path of greatness. To continue to be ivdus Hashem b'simcha, to live a life of joy, to live a life of drive, to live a life of happiness, even with what we went through, because Hashem is the one who's lifting us up, and with Hashem will continue next week.